Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Get ready for such a great episode this week. We have Bree Berger, who's a buy and hold investor, owns 70 plus units, and the majority of those units are with family members. <laughs> uh, and so you're going to get so many tips and strategies and ideas on how do you really set yourself up for success when investing with family, because it can be tricky at times. Oh, yes. If you don't <laughs> want to have Thanksgiving dinner with them, right? So the good thing about this episode is that you're going to have two examples, a passive example and an active example. And at the end, Bree's going to share how she was able to take down a 42-unit syndication with another investor member that she met during the meetup. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We're so excited about today's episode. We have Bree Berger on our show. We're going to talk about investing with your family, which is not always the easiest or simplest thing to do. So, so excited about having you on our show. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you both for having me. I've been a longtime listener of the podcast and so excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So we always like to get connected to everyone, Andressa, at the beginning, share something. We always like to say, go deep, but brief. You know, if we did that more in our life, I think we all have more peaceful lives. But I think we will get what we want. Correct. We're brief and 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 no deep, but brief. We will get what we want. When we get rambly around, people are like, oh, "I'm done. I gotta go." That's true. That's true. So I'm gonna go deep, but brief, as as, as right. brief as I can go. So you know, I want to share a quick little story. You know, it was a number of years ago. Andres and I 
We're flipping properties together long before Investor. Can I do a disclaimer? I have no idea what she's going to talk about. Oh, good. Yeah, that's always a better way. That that means I can get more out. I'm fearful uh, now. I put <laughs> pressure in though. So long before Investor, Andres and I were business partners, first friends, and then we started flipping properties together. We started doing projects together, and we would attend networking events together. And these were networking events that had men and women and all all people, and it was great. But we always left there feeling a little, I want to say intimidated, because her and I are not intimidated. I mean, I'm from Jersey. She's from Brazil. You know, we're not intimidated women by any means. But the, the environment was never inviting. And so one of our ideas as we started the podcast five years ago, the next thing we do did besides Facebook was we started a meetup. And we said, let's get women together in a non-intimidating environment where women can really come together almost like a circle of women, not like I come and learn information and I leave. So her and I started one in Philadelphia, you know, four years ago with the idea of these 19 women in this room, we're going to impact. And then one meetup has led to 55 meetups. And Brie has been one of our meetup leaders for quite some time. And I just wanted to thank you, uh, you know, on the podcast for for all your hard work. But I really want to speak to the meetups we have because these are not typical networking events. This is a circle of women who are coming together to really say what's coming up for you, not just in investing, but in your life. And that is what we created four years ago with the one Andres and I led. She did one thing, I did another. It was like the, the two of us leading our Philadelphia meetup long before we started others. And so I just so uh, I want to invite the women listening to, to join one of our meetups. They are free. They are there for you in your local community so you can really have this not intimidating environment where you can get the support you need in the way you need it because we all need it differently. So I just wanted to big, give a big shout out to all the meetup leaders listening. Thank you for all that you do. Bree, thank you for all the hard work you did month in and month out to really uh, lead the community of women and just excited to have you on the podcast to highlight you and all the cool stuff you're doing with your with your family and with Yang, with, a, with another meetup leader. You guys have partnered together. We're going to get to that today. Uh, heard another meetup leader bought a 42 unit which they met through our community, which is super awesome. So so thank you again. Just wanted to share that quick little tip about getting what you need and going out there and playing in the arena for all, with all these wonderful women that are leading meetups across our country and, and, and in Canada. So let's kick things off. Bray, what lesson has taken you the longest to learn? Wow, so that's a great question. So I would say... Off the top of my head, uh, probably with some of the problems that need solutions right now that we have going on are, I would say, how to pivot, how to communicate, how to pivot and how to pivot quickly. Um, those are some lessons that we are continually um, learning over and over and over again. And as you know, in real estate, it's really all about the pivot, right? Is, okay, we thought things were going to go this way and... They're going this way. And so how can we, you know, work with each other, work as a team? As you said, I invest with family. So um, and we can get more into that. But how do we communicate with one another so that we can pivot and tackle some of the problems that come up? Indeed, real estate is not a straight line from A to B. There's so many turns. And I think that a lot of people that get get started, they have these expectations because they have been watching HDTV or they saw that guru with that quote-unquote bulletproof, not going to waste money, you're going to whatever that 
might be the offer. It's real life. The market change, the tenant life stuff happens and pivoting. I think it was changing their name from like real estate investors to like pivot masters or something like <laughs> it's that. True, because I think that that will be it. But when we when we start talking about investing with your family, I'm sure we lost a couple of people here. And if you're still listening, because you still have faith in your own family, because many women that are listening right now is like, there's no freaking way in hell. I'm going to do it with with my family. But we want to dissect it. What Brie has created with, with her family that has been working for her that you create, applied, or you might say, yeah, no, or that's not even, a, I'm not going to even call Auntie Susan and propose that because that's not going to be, that's not going to work. We barely get along uh, during Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, dinner. I don't think we're going to build a real estate empire. So, so Brie, walk, walk us through. First of all, who do you do business with and how that relationship in business got started? Yeah. So, um, just to give a little bit of a background, I have been investing myself in real estate for about four to five years. The first property that I purchased as an actual investment property um, my parents came alongside me as silent partners, and they have continued to come alongside me with some uh, with some properties as silent partners. And so there was one part of the whole portfolio that that's with my parents. And I would say there, I am so blessed to have supportive parents because in hindsight, taking on that first property, it was so meaningful to have parents come alongside and say, hey, we support you enough that you've never even done this before. Here's some money. We're going to give you the space to learn all of the lessons and and go. And, you know, one thing that came out of that is they they weren't harping on me. They were just, you know, here, go learn. You can do this. And so that was huge. Just starting out as someone who's never been in real estate to have that that kind of support. So it's definitely one aspect that I'm very lucky with is to have a supportive family. A couple years later, I would say about a year and a half ago, is when my brother-in-law and sister came along. And so that's probably what I'll focus more on because they're they're fully active in the business. We all have roles and responsibilities. We all have different aspects of the process that we manage. Uh, and so that that is where we have the family dynamics and then the business dynamics. And do you still have Thanksgiving dinner with that? We do. I right. Oh, yes. Let's yes. get that out of the way. All right. That's great. I, I want to just speak to really quickly the, the side is I, I, I really want to dive into the active with your sister and brother-in-law because that that's a it's a very powerful dynamic we're, we're going to go to. But in terms of the passive side, your parents coming on and were they equity partners with you? Were they did they loan you the money? Did they do both? Yeah, so they were equity partners in the deals and we went through and had an operating agreement and structured the business as such. And so essentially, you know, they were great frail partners, brought the, you know, brought the funds, were in then in our equity and uh three properties that we have. Yeah. And and you know, it's funny because over the years, our first property my father loaned us money and my you know my father i think they loaned us all like my parents a lot of the money they had it wasn't even like they just had thirty thousand. just oh, i don't really care what happens to that it was a big really big deal 
for them to loan it to us that we didn't know anything about investing. I just still think of that. And I'm like, what faith, you know, you had. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. It makes me emotional because I'm like, God, we are so clueless. It wasn't, you know, but they were, you're, you're right. They're investing in you versus you as this like real estate mogul. I want to quickly speak to though, when things don't go right, you know, and, and because we had a property that we had three contractors on Justin knows this, this horror story. We had multiple contractors in uh, good old Trenton, New Jersey, <laughs> and we ended up having to owe about 70K on the property. We were, all, you know, and my, my father loaned us the money many years later on that project. So we had a note that was pending. He, he, we owed him 70K. We didn't get it from the refinance. And so that was tough, right? That was a tough conversation to have. You know, I said, Matt, go have the conversation. Now I'm joking. We both had the conversation. <laughs> I actually have a conversation. He does my dirty work. No, I'm, I'm joking. But 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 it, it, those things happen. And so ha- has that happened at all? That where where you know not that exact scenario, but has that happened with your parents? And then we'll get to the active side. But I'm curious if those types of things have happened with your parents and how you have moved through that and mitigated. And we have paid my father off completely. We sold a property, made him completely whole with his interest, as though he was any investor. By the way, but that was tough. It was a tough conversation, especially for my father. And I, because we were very close. So has that happened to you, Bree? And, and how have you navigated those tougher situations? Yep. Yeah, it has absolutely happened. So with the first property that they came in on me with, um, that rehab took a year. So I had most of the portfolio in Pennsylvania. And at that time that I was purchasing the first property, I was already living in California. And so not only was I doing this new, I was doing it from across the country and with my parents. And so over the course of that that rehab, I was making all of them mistakes. So listening to podcasts and, you know, people talk about, you know, make sure you have a good property manager, make sure you have contractors you can trust. I was having bad property managers and contractors you couldn't trust. And so I was learning how to do all of that. And budgets exploded in terms of rehab. And so since my parents were equity partners, I was having to go to them and say, hey, I need more money for rehab, but I promise this is all going to go. This is all going to work out. And and it did. When we finally refinanced on that property, we were able to pull about 90% of what we had put in. And, you know, so that, that was a huge win. And then that was proof of concept where for some other buildings, they did come alongside that was probably the conversations that we were having about all of the rehabs, all of the constructions was probably a little bit more than they mentally wanted to take on. And so since then, we've actually pivoted and they now private lend to our business. And so we put them on year, year and a half notes with a certain percentage of return. Um, and that has actually worked out beautifully, I would say, on both ends. It's a lot less stress that they're worrying. And then my sister, brother-in-law, and I can actually use those funds to help build our portfolio. And it all stays in the family. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'll just say one quick thing. I, I think it's so important that you you treat your parents or anyone in your family as though you treat anyone. Of course, it's not the same, right? My conversation with my father uh, is different than another investor, but it, the results should be the same. You'd be having the same conversation in the sense of, hey, this is what's working. This is what's not working making sure any sort of legal agreement is in place. Do not do a handshake agreement with a family member ever because that's just a mess. So I just want to reiterate that. So I love that, that you've done loans and equity 
with family and your parents. Um, that's awesome. So let's get to your sister and your brother-in-law. How did that happen? And then what has come of it? What are your roles? And and of course, we need to know what things haven't worked and how you've mitigated that because that's always the fun stuff. That's the juicy stuff. But yeah, let's let's start with. Oh my how, gosh, did we become like Jerry? What's that? The Jerry Springer. Yes, Jerry. Springer. <laughs> we want to hear the most horrible story you could tell us. Yes, please tell we us just that. Want to see the horrible thing? Because that that people like watch it. <laughs> Is that I never watch that. I always see that when I am like the dentist office or somewhere, and I was like, what? But the blue, I watch this thing. What? I don't want to watch this. Put something else. But they put that in. There's always something like, not nah, the father or the father. And that that's like the whole thing there. But anyway, we did I just a very Let's quick go. random sidebar story. Very, very quickly. Have you been to Jerry? Yes. I've been to Jerry Springer's show. What? Yeah. And, and it's, it's so completely random. And they tell you when you're in the audience to wear what, like bright colors just in case they span over. I don't think anyone got that memo. And I'm like in this like bright green. Cause I listened. I was like, I got to wear bright you colors. You went to the show to watch? Yeah. I was in the audience. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But that's another story. Good one. You didn't know about that, about me. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, we digress. So, Bree, tell us a little about that that first deal you did with your sister, your brother-in-law, how you structured it, your roles, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yep, that sounds great. So, before I kind of talk about those details, I want to say there are two aspects that I think would have to be taken into account before you even consider doing business with family. One is we are all committed to doing the work. And what I mean by that is we are all in like mindset coaching, we have life coaches, my brother-in-law, myself, and then my sister just joined GoBundance Women, and my brother-in-law's in GoBundance Men's side. Uh, <laughs> and so we're all committed to like, making sure our minds are right, and we are addressing any of you know traumas that would make cause us to act a certain way, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities. So don't go into business if your family is not willing to do the work, because you're going to have to have not only family conversations, but business conversations that you are very uncomfortable. The other aspect is we are all complementary of each other. So they're not copy paste images of me. We all have our strengths that I would say makes sense for a business structure where we're not all doing the same thing. Our strengths are in different areas so we can complement one another. So I would say those are two very important things that if you are considering family to really look at that and see from the business perspective, does it make sense? And then from the ability to communicate and do the work, does it make sense? Um, Can I just so, make a comment yeah. about that, though? Yeah, you're speaking, Andressa, and my love, love language here, too. So yeah. we just got to drop the mic on the doing the work, right? Talk about that, the rest of it. But, you know, this is so important. And that, that alone, I don't think it just saves family relationships, but an entire business. And what you said, you, you verbalize the word trauma. And I think that people say, oh, they have the association with trauma that people use, say, in terms of uh, child abuse or you went to war. Or, uh, that's, that's also trauma, of course. But everybody has trauma and unresolved situations and what I wanted to, to speak about what you're saying, Bree, it's so important that you might have conflicts, people, 
and you might project on them something that has nothing to do with them. But you're not even aware of that, right? You're not even aware of what are you what's coming up for you. And this is, ladies, this is this is the hard work, the hardest work. It is not rehabbing a project or building from ground up. Doing the work, facing yourself, the level of awareness that it requires to have a partnership, a healthy partnership. It's exactly what Bree is saying over here. Without that, I don't care what strategy, how much you have in the bank account or anything else. The commitment on working on ourselves, first of all, it's a non-negotiable. Right, Liz? You and I have constant work. Liz works on, on things that that she needs to work on. I work on things that I need to work on. And together, we have the same coach that we, we process a lot together as we build this business. I don't think, Liz, uh, we will be able to have built it. Anyway, even a meetup, if we haven't that commitment. No, that's correct. I love it. And it's such a combination, right? The commitment and then be able to do the work, you know, because it's not always easy, right? I mean, it's like it's so easy to blame other people and say they need to do this, they need to do that. But it takes the, it takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes a lot of like awareness and, and, and a deeper commitment to what you're up to. And so, yeah, I, I love that. You know, speaking of it personally, you know, what has been the biggest thing for you that you've worked on as you've partnered with your family and partnered with other people? Like, if you wouldn't mind just sharing some some of that with us, too, because, you know, I know for me, I continually am working on on myself of like, you know, not not taking things personally or you're not making it about me and making it more about the objectivity of the of the situation versus like, wow, what does this mean about me? And it, it's like, Okay, it's not about me. It's about what we're talking about, the project. So what for you has been the biggest piece that you've worked on for yourself that's made such a difference in building your portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the, I would say, like aspects of my mindset that I have to be aware of and really kind of restory is this idea that I'm not enough. And that has been a great driver in terms of how much I've accomplished in my life. And at the same time, an Achilles heel when it comes to partnering with people and trying to grow a business. Because when you're not enough, what do you do? You control everything and you take everything on and you don't ask for help. And so when it comes to the business now that I have with my sister and brother-in-law, I don't have to be the one that controls every little aspect. I don't have to be the one that's trying to solve all of our problems. I can also ask my sister and brother-in-law, hey, I have these things going on. Can I get some support on that? And that is so important for a business because as you scale, there is no way you can do every little aspect of the business that has to be done. And so for me, when we started the business, that probably came up quite a bit in terms of how we communicated, how we were sort of allocating and managing all the projects was because it's like, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I have to like do more. We have to do all of this. And so it's been something that it's like, you know, I'm aware of in my mind. I train restoring for myself. I am enough. We're doing great. And then, hey, this doesn't need to be my job. This can be Logan's job or Boston's job because this is their skill set, not mine.
I, I love what you're saying because what we think the issue is when you're doing the work, bottom line is that the issue we think it is, is not necessarily the root cause of the issue. Right. Isn't that, that hilarious? Like I remember, you know, one of our, one of our pod mentors, uh, very active in our community, Alicia St. Germain, amazing. She does this immunity to change workshops, doing more and more for our community. And I joined her program. So she said, what do you want to work on? I'm like, I want to work on delegating. She's like, okay. And through this process, it wasn't about the delegating. My issue, right, was that I didn't want to inconvenience people. I felt bad about asking you, Brie, to do something or Andressa. And so it had nothing to do with me not delegating. It was like a root cause to that. And then we discovered more of that and then let go of that and inconvenience me. What does that look like? And I can connect with what you're saying, Brie, because I've struggled with that over the years too. Not feeling good enough or not enough, right? Crazy thoughts that a lot of women can relate to. Some women can't, but a lot of them can. So I worked through that, but it, and then I ended up hiring someone through that process and making the change. But the delegating was kind of like the outward issue. It wasn't necessarily the inward issue. So I love what you're saying about knowing what that restory is and then being able to like, this is how it impacts my business and my investments and my wealth, which is powerful. So Tell us about the role that you have compared to your sister and your brother-in-law too, in terms of how did you de delineate? Did you do some kind of, you know, assessments? W how did you kind of uh, establish who was doing what and how has that evolved? Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, it was my brother-in-law who first really kind of joined and taking in a more active role in the business. And he um, did some plumbing work when he was in high school and some other types of construction jobs. And so in terms of what his experience was and also where he saw his strengths, it would make sense that he would check the pictures that were coming in from all of our rehabs since we do all of this from a distance and then have more detailed conversations with our property managers, project managers in terms of what what is the rehab process, what's going on, what tool, you know, what materials are you using? things like that. And so, because that's a lot of my wheelhouse, I can learn anything, but I don't necessarily want to spend hours reading about construction materials if he already knows about it. And then about six to 12 months later, my sister joined and really started to take more of an active role in the business. And what she does in her W-2 is cost es estimating, scheduling. And so right. it's like, wow, this makes sense for her to handle all of the back end project management, keeping us on track. Uh, she also uh, has a background in, in applied math. So she loves the bookkeeping and then managing the accounting side of things. Awesome. And as we started to come together for the business, we really talked about, okay, my role is more of that visionary, the CEO, what markets we're going to go into. I uh, have a background in research. Uh, I'm a public health scientist. And so all the numbers, underwriting, things like that. And then they can come alongside and, and really help with the back end, keeping things on track. And um, we had all of those conversations with each other as well. And we continue to because we've gone. That's another thing to emphasize is these conversations are not one and done. It is constant. It is continual. Your business can literally change from one month to the next if you you know, go and take down a 42 unit syndication, you're no longer where you were 30 days ago. And so it's like, what are we doing? How can we support one another? Do you like this task? If not, do we need to hire up for it? 
And these are constant conversations that, that we're having. How often do you guys are have, do you having uh, recurring meetings? Because the, the, the constant communication, right? On their communicating, it's, it's a big, big red flag when you're growing a business and having multiple people that needs to be in the loop. So uh, what is the cadence that has worked for you guys in order to discuss operations, but also the bigger picture? Yeah. And that, that's a really, really good question. So in terms of the day-to-day, we are uh, we text constantly. We'll leave each other little voice messages with where um, we're at with the certain items. We attempt, I will say attempt, this is an area we need to get better in and sort of uh, prioritizing our time. Um, we attempt to meet quarterly to discuss the overall goals and larger or bigger picture of the portfolio and, and where we want to go. Last year was a year of rapid growth and we did not prioritize that. And that led to, I wouldn't say us at the end of the year, feeling the feelings of being overwhelmed, not knowing exactly what we're doing, trying to wrap up projects. Um, and so this year we have prioritized taking a step back, wrapping up some projects and really focusing on touching base with one another. And as the business, and I want to be very clear with this, are we designing the business to fit the life we want and not bending our life around the business? Mm-hmm. And so that is really the focus of, of this year is talking about, hey, Boston, look, and you're married, two kids. What is the life that you want? Checking in with myself, communicating, this is the life that I want. And then how are we going to make the business fit that? And so I would say ideally quarterly and then daily check-ins with the operations. Yeah so important right because so often we we you know we're not really the one at the helm of we're at the helm of the company our own company but we're almost like a slave to it sometimes right to for not mindful of putting our own boundaries up and saying what's working what's not and then to have those conversations with your partners is great so tell us a little about how you and yang another meetup leader came together to get and get partnered up on this 42 unit which uh she spoke at one of our uh webinars which was amazing and uh, she's one of our one of our meetup leaders, one of our Strive members. She's amazing. So I'm curious, though, how did that for how did you first meet? Uh, you know, and how did yeah. you cultivate a relationship to then feel comfortable enough to partner together on quite a project? Right, it wasn't just this silver on a silver platter project. I know there was a lot of a lot to that project. So how did you guys meet, and how did you cultivate, and what did you do to cultivate that relationship? Yeah, I I love that. And I just want to say to all of the people listening, this is why it's so important to get involved in the investor community, make those connections and come at it from a perspective of just trying to be to be friends and to go deep because you never know what will come out of that. So Yang and I met um, in the midst of COVID when a lot of the meetups were actually virtual. And since the bulk of my portfolio is in Pennsylvania, I was tuning in to a lot of the virtual meetups that were going on. And Yang and I connected I, during one of the, those meetups and decided to have a call, just the two of us afterwards. And when you talk about going deep very quickly that is essentially what we did in the conversation and we found out that we both love to dance and we both love salsa dancing and yeah and so to find something outside of real estate that you connect on really allowed us to go deeper and i think kind of opened the doors to have meaningful conversations with one another 
And from that, we would schedule, um, I would say, meetings every month to, to six weeks with another uh, woman we met through Invest Church. And we would have sort of our own mastermind, like what's coming up, what do we need support with, and really try to help and support one another. And we did that, I want to say, for almost two years. And I introduced her to some property managers I had in a certain area. She was able to grow her portfolio there. And we really just tried to provide each other what we needed. And I would say a couple of months before the 42-unit syndication came about, we um, actually went to a dance festival together. She invited me to join her and her dance partner, come check things out at the festival. And we got to spend a lot of meaningful time together. And I think that helped to also establish more trust. And then the the 42 unit came up being found that um, online through um, an auction website. And then we hit the ground running. You know, everything that you're just, you know, describing here. Um, and Liz, we just talked about there this morning. Yeah. Uh, it's like money in the bank, the deposits. So the, the, the relationship didn't start like, hey, by the way, I have this 40 unit. Uh, hey, my name is Yehunk. Can we partner up? Didn't start like that. It started, and I think that that's that's what we miss a lot. We miss when 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 we have opportunities, and that's when we are seeking to build relationships. Right. That that's it's that's too late. Off. That's too late. You gotta build relationships, and and something that similar happened. Right. Liz and I started doing a mastermind and supporting one another. And that might seem simple, right? But two people showing up, two people being vulnerable, two people supporting one another, that is like putting the little deposits. Wow, she she was very, very caring. Oh, she really supported me making that contact or she listened to me this time and vice versa. All of those, it's like compound effect to me to get to the point where you're talking about partnership. And then it's all about the details because the foundation is already there for the relationship. Then the trust factor is already there. You have faith in that person no matter what, right? You're going to make it right. She's going to make it right. So it's not a matter of, hey, I have this 42 unit. Trust me. No, it's it's not that conversation, but I think that a lot of people that think about partnerships and feel uncomfortable with it because they're thinking about this transactional thing that needs to happen once you have a deal. And I love that you describe it. How did the journey get to the point where you were you both were like this fits our criteria this this is what we're both looking for this this makes sense for for us so i i think what you're saying what you both are saying is so so important that everyone needs to hear this and that when you have a new deal so you Marie, were like okay i gotta evaluate this deal but in that moment when she pr- approached you with the deal you didn't have to evaluate her <laughs> and i think that's the biggest mistake people make is that we have too much to evaluate. You're evaluating the partner, you're evaluating the deal, and then you're even evaluating the market sometimes, right? That's a lot. But you know you can go to bat for that person's already been vetted. You were on a mastermind with this person. 
what there was no probably ish there was no question of her character you had yeah. no question of her trust and liz one thing yeah those three factors that you were saying the the market might make sense the deal might make sense but if you don't have the trust on that person people don't invest yeah that is yep. the most important thing for me for me i'm investing in the person the deal and the 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 market has to make sense no matter what yeah question mark is the person it's actually the biggest hurdle to be honest with you the market and the dealer are in a lot of ways the simpler parts of of the project people are the dynamic part the people are the who knows what's going to happen part so Bree, how did you then transition you have this friendship you go dancing together you're on this mastermind together you have a shared common connection she presents this opportunity you know what, what how did you kind of say is this something i should do or not like how did you what, what was the litmus test for you i'm just throwing out those three pieces because i just make things up on the on the go here but how did you know this was right for you and honestly it's a big syndication right and it's a hairy bit of a hairy hairy opportunity not hairy but it was a lot of problem solving in that right from what i got from the case study that yang yep. presented so how did you navigate that with her and the rest of the partners to say do i want to get in or not and how do I how do I mitigate my own risk? Yep. Yeah. So I first want to say, you know, going back to what Indressa said about the person and how Yang really fit into my criteria in terms of would I even be willing to partner with her? Through chill years, what do you learn about someone? Are they doing the work? Yang is absolutely doing the work. She focuses on her mindset. She does leadership trainings and opportunities. So she is constantly evaluating herself and so great great person to partner with and we complement each other very well we have a lot of similarities which is great but we also have that complementary aspect and so it's like yes absolutely secondly that building is in the market where most of my portfolio is so i already knew the market the property management team that manages everything else for gang staffs and and the rest of our portfolio they were going to be tapped in so the people are there so great, we have a market we know and the people that we can use to help get this thing, you know, off the ground and, and get it stabilized and where it needs to be. So, and that evaluation took about five seconds. And so when she brought it to me, it's like, yeah, let's do this. And I always have the mindset of like, I can learn anything. So yeah, I've never done a syndication before, but people who have done syndications, have already been in that spot of never doing syndications before and somehow they figured it out <laughs> and the four of us who are gps on this deal are, are very smart and capable people so we could learn anything so i was like hey we're gonna do this it was also found on auction and so we had to learn all of the ins and outs of the auction process and so we were literally doing this within a 30-day window um because from the time that we we're accepted to be able to bid we had 30 days to figure out capital, how we we're going to do this syndication, the legal paperwork, working with, with lenders who could take something of this size on, given the experience that we had. So there were, there were just a lot of moving parts, but knowing your partner, having several years of back and forth communication with each other, it was a no-brainer. I love that. And just real quick shout out. All of our webinars, the webinar that Yang did where she went to really great nitty gritty of the whole process. If you guys go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com slash blog, 
all of our podcasts are there and also the webinar that Yang recorded. It's called Lessons Learned from a 42-Unit Online Foreclosure Auction. All of our webinars are there that we do, all of our free webinars, all of our free material. So check that out uh, if you want to. It's an hour long. I mean, she goes into some great depth. We can uh, put the link on the show notes as well. Yeah, click on the show notes as well. So I just want to mention that. That's awesome, Bree. I, I love I love that. So how's it going now? You guys are in that project. You're in the throes of stabilizing that, correct? You haven't fully stabilized that. So so where are you in the continuum of the lovely stabilization that we do when we have big value add projects? I know because uh, in terms of multifamily. So where are you, and what are your next steps, and what are you learning? Yeah. So um, for those who have done real estate before, you would probably think this is a good thing. The building was mostly vacant um, when we purchased it. When you try and raise funds, people like to see that it's rented so that they can get their, you know, their their uh, dividends and, and all of that, you know, right away. And so for us, it was like, cool, this is vacant. But then trying to have that actually be a selling point for raising capital. Um, so with that, since the building was mostly vacant when we closed, I think eight units had um, tenants in them. We were able to actually just hit the ground running, like literally day one, get the guys in there, materials, all of that. I would say we are somewhere between about, I would say we're probably between 30 to 40% done with renovations. We are working on getting the first six units listed to, to test the market, test the numbers, see what rents we can get because from when we underwrote that, in August, September time period, you know, the markets are shifting a little bit. So are rents stable? Are they going down? Are they coming up? We, we need to test that out as we have 42 of these units um, to rent. We are working on rebranding the building. So getting a website up, figuring out the social media. Historically, that building has not had a great reputation in the area. So we do have a lot of cleanup work to do there, you know, under new management, new rehab, um, get some nice pictures online, those sorts of things. We are working on uh, the common areas. What type of experience do we want to give our tenants who are there? Uh, and really thinking through, you know, adding adding the amenities after we get all of, all of the units completed. So we are just at that. Still, I would say very much beginning stages, but really ramping up, finishing the units, getting them rented. And then we are... Our timeline is to refinance uh, sometime in the fall so we can, you know, get the capital back to our investors and then pay off the the loan. Yeah, it's great. Love that. The the rebranding, I want to just put a, put a note on that. That is one of the most important things that you do. And really rebranding, not just like putting a new sign up and, and calling it something new, but like, what does that stand for? And every, every building that we have had a really turnaround, uh, which has been most of them every <laughs> time. Uh, we've always renamed it, rebranded it, because you're you're not just shifting the the property; you're shifting the image of that property, especially if it's not very well. But there's an opportunity there; it's an enormous opportunity if done right. So I, I love that you said that. Just to make mention to that, it doesn't matter if you have a 42 unit or a duplex. You, there's probably a good chance you're gonna have to rebrand it so people know what is that experience they want to have. So. That's great stuff. I'm excited to excited to follow you guys along this journey of the of the property and and see where you know how great things that come from it. Bree, this has been great. I uh, appreciate your time and where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you along all these great adventures you're on here. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can see my shirt, family of REI, family of real estate investors. Um, 
that is our business uh, plug or handle on Instagram. I just hate myself. <laughs> Big handle on Instagram. So it's F-A-M-I-L-Y-O-F-R-E-I. And then my personal um, Instagram, if you guys want to follow me there, is Brie, B-R-E-A underscore R-E-I-S-O-R-F-I. So real estate investor for financial independence. We post pretty regularly on there of our projects before and afters. We give out some content as well, especially around um, private lending, how to get started in real estate, good books, being, things like that. So feel free to, to, to follow both of us there. Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Brie, is what's the most transformational book you ever read? That's a great one. I am actually in such a cliche, I know, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because that really changed um, how I thought about money and really was that catalyst book for like, hey, I need to to look at this. How do I think about money? Um, and then that put me on the path towards reading, you know, some really, really great other books. But that was that was the the game changer. Awesome. What's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? It's got to be my morning routine. So first thing I do when I wake up, I do about a three to five minute uh, meditation. And then I get up and have a large glass of water. And that sets me on the path for, for having usually pretty kick-ass day. Last question, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Honestly, I'm going to have to say my mom. She has just always been such a supporter, such um, such a driver. She always used to, to, tell, to tell me, go out there, find your path. And if it's not a path that's been taken before, grab your machete and chop down those branches and carve it out for yourself. I love her. What's her name? Uh, her name's Alice. Alice, love it. Yep. So that that has always stuck in me, um, always been in my mind as I'm carving out these paths. I got my machete right here. And that's a powerful tool to have on your side. <laughs> Bree, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks thanks for being such an active member of our community and, and really embodying what we created this for five years ago. Uh, so thank you uh, and excited to see everything you do in your journey. So keep us posted. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, Brie. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.